there's this expectation that we need to manage people. And the reality is we can't manage people. You cannot manage a person. All you can do is manage an agreement between people. Is your current success putting a lot of demands on you? If you're good at what you do, and you are, then everyone wants you. But that's no way to scale. If you're delivering spectacular results, you should be commanding higher fees, working with only the best clients. Welcome to the Hands Off CEO Podcast, where world-class agency owners and consultants learn how to fully monetize their expertise and scale profits by doing less. Here's your host, Mandy Ellison. Today on the Hands Off CEO Podcast, we have Ross Mayfield, who is our copywriter on our team, who is one of our marketing strategists that support internally our own marketing strategies. He is interviewing me here on the podcast, and we're having a nice conversation about the deeper mission behind Hands Off CEO. And we went there in a different direction than I actually expected our conversation to went. We shared some different stories about some clients that maybe we haven't shared quite as openly in the past. I think we could even do other episodes on this to go dive deeper. If you listen to this, let me know if you if you want to hear more episodes on them. We have lots more stories about how like different challenging circumstances our clients have been in where they have seen some real transformations in their business. And we shared a few of them, not as many as we actually have, but we also talked about letting go. What does it take to letting go? What does it take to be able to get the culture of accountability into your organization? How do you be able to build urgency within your team? The importance of that, some research around that. So we we share a lot of great things on this podcast episode. I hope you enjoy it. Again, feel free to share your feedback with us. Let us know what you'd like more of and enjoy the show. All right. Hi, Mandy. We have heard a lot of stories on the podcast about business transformations, people who scaled their companies, grew their agencies, and changed their business outlook a lot. But you've also worked with a lot of CEOs who have gone through major personal changes, had major life changes, and things that really impacted their lives that they were maybe better able to handle or cope with or just had the flexibility to step away from the business and deal with these things that happened in their lives because of the changes that they had made in their business. Can you talk a little bit about that or tell a few of those stories? Yeah, sure. It is not something that we talk about on the podcast very much. One of the reasons why is that these are private stories. Sometimes on our podcast, some of our clients will feel comfortable sharing some of these more intimate stories, but some of them, they're they're very personal. And that's something a little bit different about our approach with Scale to Freedom is, is that there is a level of intimacy where we are actually supporting clients in the way that it makes a difference in their life. And that's why it actually works because it integrates with everything. And I haven't talked about them very much because they're really special and they're personal. But as I've been writing the book and it's going to be coming out very shortly okay. within the month, our hands off CEO book, you know, sharing the processes that these clients go through and this book has been a real transformational experience for me too in writing this and understanding what is the deeper why behind what we're really doing. And as I've been reviewing these stories over the past decade that we've been in business with Hands Off CEO, what I've just recognized is that it's a little bit of a disservice not to share some of these stories, at least anonymously. And just because 
there's just a lot of wisdom here and it's life. It's real. I'll review one of them that was on our podcast earlier from Tanya Corby McLeod. She shared her experience becoming a hands-off CEO. We can link back to that in the show notes, that episode. She was very open about some of the challenges that she had run into where her business was, it was eating her alive, really. I mean, she was working all the time. She wasn't making enough money for the amount of time she was in there. And it felt like she was just serving the payroll and wasn't bringing enough profit home to really justify the time that she was spending away from her family. And, you know, her weekends were eaten up in the business. So first we helped her get her weekends back, helped her find more profit in her business so that it was more sustainable, gave her the ability to have a workable company that brought her home the income that she deserved. And then what we did with that, based on that, we were able to break down the different parts of the business and get to a point where her team could be able to operate the client management and the strategy. And they were able to really implement the day-to-day in the business and be able to run the business without her. That's six months in that happened. All of that happened within six months. It's just a pretty fast turnaround, actually, for most companies. But tragedy struck. We're talking weeks within her getting these things in place and her being able to step back. And her husband suddenly died. And it was, he was a healthy guy in his 50s. And she was a left to single mom of two teenage daughters. And what she shared on the podcast is that this would have just completely annihilated the business six months earlier. And what it allowed is that the business way is able to continue running without her for an entire year. She was able to drop everything. And one of the things that she reported, she said to me, I mean, I hadn't heard from her for months. I'm like, where did Tanya go? She's just gone. And then she reached out and said, you probably wondered where we are, where I've been. And this was several months later. I've been out of my business. It's probably your best case study yet because I have been completely out. The cash flow is better than it ever has been. I mean, it's been a really hard time, but being able to not have to worry about the business and being able to keep people employed, keep clients happy and delivering the results, it was life-changing in that moment for her to have that support already. She could do what she needed to do. She didn't have to worry about work, kind of like the CEO version of being able to take time off. Right. That's a good point that you bring up the CEO version of taking off time. And the thing is, is that as employees of the company, you just go take time off. As the CEO, right. a lot of times they don't have the, the ability or freedom to do that. Or when they do, it's they pay for it later. They've got stacks and stacks of work to catch up on when they get back. Fast forward, after a year, Tanya decided to sell the company. She sold it back to her team and her legacy was able to live on, was able to live on beyond her. She inherited over 10 companies from her husband. She was able to take the same things that she learned from the same framework systems processes she learned from scale to freedom, applied it to those businesses. I had never even heard about this until she shared this on our podcast. And she's like, oh, by the way, I have about a dozen companies that are running completely without me that my husband was totally stuck in before he passed. And now I have them completely running without me. It's pretty amazing. And this happened in over the course of about a year, you said? This happened further beyond that because, you know, after okay. there was some movement that after her husband's passing and her taking on those companies and seeing I mean, I couldn't even imagine what that responsibility would be like to lose your husband, be a single mom, have a company that it's on you, and then also have all these other companies that your husband had, and now they're your responsibility too. Also, the livelihoods of dozens of people 
now on your shoulders. That's a huge amount of pressure, especially a dozen businesses that she wasn't really involved in before, but who did have a very hands-on CEO. It's kind of amazing that she was able to take what she learned and iterate it so many times effectively while she was going through such a challenging personal period. Yeah, I was pretty amazed too because, you know, I didn't even know about those companies and it was a real testament to what we had been building at Scale to Freedom that she was able to take that and apply it to these other companies. It showed that the systems worked and it didn't even require me to help her with those systems too because at the time earlier on in the company that I was really the the only core strategist. There was a lot of interesting things that we learned from that. And we've stayed in touch with Tanya. She's such a wonderful person. So it was really an honor to see her being able to be supported in such a hard time in her life. Yeah. I mean, I would even take it a step further and say, like, you kind of gave her the tools. I mean, I don't know her, but this type of thing could ruin somebody's life. It could totally change the course of your life and put you on a different path. And it seemed like that happened, but in a much more positive way because what she was able to do, like the tools she had in her toolbox and the support she had from her business. Like you said, if she's mentioned, if it happened six months before, it could have ruined everything. Livelihood and who knows the cascading effects that might happen if you're wanting for money while you're going through other personal things. It just ratchets up the pressure higher and higher. You know, that's a good point about wanting for money too because... Life has its hardships. And if you can avoid the issue of wanting for money and and being that a real stressor, it can make life a lot more convenient. And that's one of the things that mm-hmm. we really strive to support our clients with is to be able to create that place where they can have that sustainable business that, that's really a wealth building asset for them. And it's a wealth building asset for their teams too, because they can create these great opportunities for the team members as they're creating their companies to be more sustainable. Yeah. Just from that one situation with Tanya, not only did she maintain and even improve her livelihood through a really hard time, but dozens or more people who work in those companies got to continue keep their livelihoods intact throughout this whole thing. It has a real cascading effect when something like this happens. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that perhaps? Like you've built your business on helping companies scale, but this type of transformation, like giving people like Tanya the ability to do more and spread more of what they're good at rather than being trapped with busy work or trapped at a lower level of growth than they could be reaching. You want to talk a little bit more about that and how that's driven what you do at Hands Off CEO? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I was just telling one of our team members, we're hiring some key roles right now and we just got into a conversation around, you know, what is Hands Off CEO really doing? What are we really doing here? And certainly we have this growth roadmap that takes our clients from a place where they're too involved in the day-to-day to being able to have this company that can run without them, to be able to create millions of dollars of extra growth, to be able to do all those things that on the surface we all want. But on a deeper level, what it actually allows our leaders to do is th- these are really exceptional people. They're exceptional people who want to give back in the world. These are exceptional people that want to develop others and to build other leaders, to give back and to share what they have learned and to pass that on. These are people who are quietly giving to charities who maybe are founding or having their own foundations even, who have mission-driven work that 
they're approaching business in a different way, or at least they really want to. But for some reason, because they're too trapped in the day-to-day in the business, they can't really bring their vision to the next level of impact that they want to make in the world. And really what we're about doing is helping them bring their very best gifts to the world in a bigger way, to really unlock their ability to impact the lives of others by generating more growth, sustainability, and profits in their company. And money unlocks a lot of opportunities you otherwise wouldn't have been able to have. But before we push record, I remember we talked a little bit about the Good Samaritan from the New Testament. Yeah. You had an angle on that that I hadn't heard, and I've been hearing about that in Sunday school and in sermons my whole life, but you mentioned a part of it, the story that I had never really considered. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So the thing is, is that what people don't think about with the Good Samaritan is that the Good Samaritan had one thing that was critical for him to be able to support that person. He had money. Mm-hmm. He had money to be right. able to pick this guy up, bring him to a lodge, pay for him to be taken care of. And in a society where there was a lot of poverty, he must have had a pretty good amount of money, actually. When we have money, we can do more good. I am really passionate about supporting our clients to be able to generate more wealth for themselves so that they can do more good for other people. They can expand their reach in the world. They can be able to coach and mentor people within their own communities. This is how you change the world. Yeah, that's a pretty big mission. This is how you change the world. So you've been doing this for 11 years. What does the next 10 years look like in, as you keep walking down this path, helping more and more businesses expand what they're able to do through growing their wealth? Where I see this going over the next five years is really, you asked the next 10 years, but I'm looking at the next five years too, is building out the hands-off CEO platform in a much bigger way to be able to expand our reach. We've been very boutique up to this point. This is what we teach to be able to scale a company, keep things as simple as possible. You serve one client type, you serve one type of problem, you deliver one really big outrageous outcome. And we have practiced what we've preached here. As we continue to scale, we'll be able to expand our reach. We'll be able to do that in a number of different ways. Could be a whole other episode we talk about in future years as it continues to emerge. But that's something to think to actually talk about with visions. That's actually something we could touch on because I think that one of the things we see is a lot of our clients come in and say, you know what, they kind of have this limited vision and they feel like it just should be done, like it's this static thing. But the reality is, is that our vision continues to grow and expand as we continue to elevate. Every new level, every new big win that we have, we see the world in a different way. We're a different person. Now we can see further down the horizon than we could before. And what that means is that now what's possible is different. I'll give you an example of one of our clients owns a marketing agency, and I won't use his name because I haven't gotten permission to share this. I don't think he'd care if I share this, but he has a company, a million, and he was looking at, you know what, I'd like to get to four or five million. That That's kind of what he could see for his vision. And then once we walked through this irresistible offer process and he was able to see that he could charge dramatically more for his services, for his team's services. In fact, in some of them, they were able to be doing, you know, multiple six-figure engagements, you know, $20,000 a month plus engagements. And in doing so, what he realized is that to be able to reach new heights as his business required a lot less than he thought before. When we did 
the simple profit modeling we do with our clients, this is often a time where we see a vision shift change, where they realize, I thought I was going to need to bring on 30 more clients to be able to reach this goal of a half a million dollars of additional profit. When they realize, oh, you can actually get there in 13 extra clients, they're like, wow, that's pretty impressive that how much less that it actually needs to be able to get there. So that is an example of something that can shift the vision. And also that irresistible offer going back to him in his story, it really got him excited. It helped him be able to see like, it helped him focus around what is the real impact that we're making for our clients and helped him see that they're doing something that no one else is doing. And I really lit a fire under him and got him excited. And how that looked like on the sales side is in six months, he was able to generate a million dollars of additional sales. It really got him excited about this next direction where they're going with the company. He redid his vision to now include a $20 million company. Wow. From aiming for four to five to 20. Exactly. So every new level we get at, it opens our eyes to see things that we didn't see before. Do you see another expansion of the vision happening in a few years down the road, both for you and for what you're doing with your clients? Is that something you're planning on coming your way? Have it next week, have it next month. Like it's constantly growing, shifting, evolving. And in some ways, I feel like it's kind of downloading to me. And where I'm feeling a deeper purpose is aligned with where my life's mission is, where my life's work goes. And this is also something too that shifts. As you grow the company and as you reach new heights in the business where you get to the income levels where you're pretty comfortable and making more money doesn't necessarily change your life too much. And this is where you got to really dig deep to find that bigger why so that you can go and do the next things to change yourself, to be at that leader who can lead the company to the next level, to take those risks. The reality is the scale of your company, there are risks, there are things that you take on. You can manage your risk and you can really create your future. And that's the way that I like to manage risk is I carefully look at the situation, but I go and I create it. And I know that I, mean, I have the confidence in myself and my leadership and like my vision that you know if I take my next inspired ac- action forward, it's the right step. And whatever I learn is going to give me the things that I need to be able to get to that bigger vision. And I know that because it always works out. It always works out. I just need to have some faith as I am stepping into that and continuing to go to the next level. So I'm sharing that from my perspective, just because like on a personal level, I can tell you what that feels like. These are some of the transformations that our clients go through too, as they are really buying into their next level of their vision, or they're starting to drink their own (laughs) Kool-Aid at greater levels. Interesting. Yeah. It's... It's almost like you help people go from a situation where they think that they are close to their limits or as effective as they're going to be. And you just show them, you help to not just give them bigger goals, but show them how to always be looking for bigger goals and how to just kind of have a more expansive vision for themselves and what their business might mean. I think a lot of business growth, business scaling systems are just about like, let's hit that next number. Whereas this is about let's expand the sphere and see what's possible, see what else as you climb up the hill, you see further and further. And you can help people get way further than they ever would have thought when they were making high six figures and working 12 hours a day. That's a really great point. So there are a couple factors with this too, is that one, the alignment of the vision is aligned with the purpose of the person's life. And the reality is, is as human beings, we're continuing to look for what is that purpose in our life. So it's growing, it's evolving. And if you are focusing on growing your business only from the dollar and cents perspective, you will not have the sufficient 
drive and motivation to overcome some of the obstacles that will show up. But when you do have that, when you can sit into that vision, that bigger purpose that you're moving through, then those challenges that otherwise can feel very insurmountable can feel like just tiny little bumps along the road because it's just what you're here to do. And it doesn't feel challenging like it might have at an earlier stage because you've grown, your muscles have gotten stronger and it just doesn't phase you in the same way. That's one side of it with that alignment. The other side of that is that our clients, they go from a place where they're oftentimes one of the biggest fish in their networks. They have gone to a certain level and they kind of become a little bit of a hot shot up to the point that they've gotten to in their companies. So they've gone to a certain level of success and they really should be proud of where they've gotten to. And they come into our tribe and then they see, okay, this is a bigger place for me to grow. And look at what some of these other people have already been doing. Look at where some of the people who are at my stage now, right now, and listening to the vision and what they're creating, that's really inspiring. And it inspires them to be able to grow, expand, become bigger. That's a big piece of what we do in our Scale to Freedom tribe is to work on the inner game and to be able to see the vision and expand it in bigger ways because you can only grow as big as your vision has space and capacity for. Like you will only grow as much as that. So the ultimate thing that as the CEOs that our job number one is working on our vision, getting very clear about what success looks like, where are we going, why, and inspiring our team in that. But to be able to inspire our team in that, to be able to mobilize people in getting on board with the vision, getting excited about it and really owning it like it's their own, it takes you buying into it yourself first. It takes you getting really excited and motivated on your own terms. And there is a bit of a gap that can happen because if you are at a place where you're kind of teetering on burnout, how do you be able to mobilize and get everybody else excited when you really need to get yourself excited first? So those are some of the transitions that we're walking our clients through to be able to like get to that next level where they can really inspire people to create this bigger vision together. That's really interesting. I think especially the level a lot of your CEOs are at where, like you said, making incrementally more money isn't going to change their life by that much extra. It's probably not even worth the extra effort if they continue working the way they had been working. So finding, do you find that when you start working with a CEO that they already have a bigger vision, but they have been afraid to pursue it or don't know how to pursue it? Or have they kept the vision that they maybe had five years before, 10 years before when they started the company and haven't let their vision expand to keep up with the company? Do you, or is it another, another situation that you see in terms of how they're viewing their business and what's possible? Yeah, I think both. I think you see one side is that they're keeping their vision small because they're struggling to even implement the level of like a smaller watered down version of it right now. That's one thing. And the other side of it is that these CEOs are so stinking busy that they don't even have time to sit down and think about this stuff. They don't have time to work on the strategic pieces that they know are going to grow the company. thing is, they know that if they just sat down and focused on this, they know if they went and got clear about who their ideal clients are and deliberately going after them. They know if they do those things, it will drive a huge growth of the company. They know this thing. It's just the problem is how do you actually get yourself out of this minutiae, out of these the weeds where you can kind of get in, get out, get in, get out, and you get pulled back in. How do you be able to actually focus on these things so that you actually can work on what's going to make the biggest difference in the business? Yeah. They both need to know where they're going, but also 
the details about how to get there. And you help them with both of those. Yes. And the other side of this as well is that there is this thing that happens where you can get so driven by your value in your company as, as being the doer, as your productivity being defined mm. on how much you can check off of your list every day. And that becomes increasingly difficult as the CEO, you have more and more responsibilities on your shoulders. You have more things that just are constantly coming at you, or you feel like you're getting less and less done. And it can feel like a place of maybe even being a little bit out of control. I've heard some people say yeah. it that way. And I'm not going to say that they feel like their life is out of control or their business is out of control. I wouldn't say that at all. But maybe they feel like their day just gets past them and they feel like they haven't gotten anything done. And what is going on here is there's a shift that's happening in where they can generate the most value in the company. So what has gotten them yeah. to where they're at is their intense ability to be able to get things done and for them to be able to drive things forward, mostly on their own, maybe delegating out things, but being that person who is just like, pushing things forward constantly. Now, that got them to where they're at, especially it could get them to about the earlier seven figures. But what will happen is, is that the company will stay stuck in that stage and not be able to scale to 3 million to 5 million plus for a couple of reasons. One of them being that the CEO is spending so much of their time doing and in the day-to-day -day minutia of you know, some of those earlier exits that we have talked about in earlier podcast episodes. And they get so bogged down in those details that they're not focusing on what's going to generate growth in the company. And part of it is, is this like this addiction because you're deriving significance out of what you can do as opposed to leading people to be able to get work done. In your book, you talk about this as a metaphor you use is Superman versus Yoda. Yes. As two different types of leaders. Exactly. And I think people will often have the Superman mentality to get to the early seven figures, but to get past that, you need to become Yoda. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. And what can happen at this stage is that as Superman, you're relying on your own in internal superhero powers. And the reality is, is that there's a lot of CEOs that start companies that are absolutely brilliant. And they get to that point from that place. But Superman also has his kryptonites too. And and one of the biggest things is that it's just this kryptonite is you just get stopped and stuck at the certain place of Superman is a lone flyer, I guess, a lone flyer. And he's works on his own. He's not leading a team to make things happen. He's the one making it all happen. But Yoda, he's over there leading people. He's developing leaders. He's, he's setting success. He's expanding his young Jedis and building within them the skills to be able to do the work without him. And meanwhile, he's going off in his Yoda cave and letting Luke Skywalker be able to develop those skills and figuring this out to be able to do it on his own. And that's the mindset shift that we need to make. And one of the challenges is that it's very easy to stay stuck in the day-to-day minutia. And the reason why is because it's safe, it's, it's known. You know you're good at it already. Right, exactly. So when we're shifting to this other place, there's new skills that have to be developed. That's one of the top reasons why... CEOs are drawn to come into to our programs because whether on a conscious or subconscious level, they realize that something is off. They know that there's something else that they need to be learning within themselves. And if they're really truly honest with themselves, they will say that the biggest thing holding back the growth of the company is themselves. Whether they're saying it's because I'm the bottleneck or whether it's saying because I need to become a better leader, whether they're saying it's because I just need to learn how to manage people better. 
which is not actually true. They need to learn how to lead people better and oversee management structures getting in place to install accountability and up-leveling the culture to create accountability, inspiring everyone to be moving in that direction and getting people excited about filling the vision and bringing a level of operational efficiency that it's really about the culture and moving people, getting people excited there. And for some of our clients, it takes a course, it takes turning the ship. And when you're first turning that wheel, you might not know if you're on the right track, if you're just looking at the ship and it might not feel like you're moving very quickly, but you're turning an entire ship. And the bigger the company is, the more it might take. But I have personally experienced this myself in looking at different times in the business where the culture wasn't where it needed to be. The implementation wasn't where it needed to be. The accountability wasn't where it needed to be. And the only person that I could really blame is myself because whatever was showing up in this circumstance, however it was, it was all something that I created. The great thing about that is I can create something different. I can say, look internally, like what is really holding me back from doing the things that I actually know I need to do? And it's almost always a mindset issue or a mindset opportunity to shift. And then you shift that and then you can really move people. And it's, it's incredible to see how quickly things can change in a matter of weeks. You can see a culture go from one of not a lot of accountability and integrity to one where the team is driving that with you. And it's, it's incredibly empowering and exciting to see. And your best people are going to love it. But it's probably a little bit of an anxious time period if you're used to doing things yourselves and you know that the work, the quality of the work is being done and you know when it's done to giving that responsibility to others and your focus has to shift to how do I get the same or better performance that I would expect for myself from these people, from multiple people, that I can imagine kind of like steering a ship. You're not seeing the ship turn, you're turning the wheel. That's probably an, an anxious time. Do you have any stories about CEOs who found themselves there and had to kind of like struggle through that before they were able to get through the other side? Yeah, definitely. I'm trying to think of which one to share. Maybe I'll share one from Jamie, and he actually did share this on our podcast too. But one of the biggest shifts that have to happen with this is there's this expectation that we need to manage people. And the reality is we can't manage people. You cannot manage a person. All you can do is manage an agreement between people. So it's really about the shift from going from managing people to managing agreements. And this is where the responsibility of the CEO gets clear again with this vision. So what does success look like? And one of my mentors who scaled a handful of $100 million companies and even one that was over $400 million, one of the things that he taught me was that you need to build a team of people who can define success. And I thought about that. I'm like, that's really interesting. A team of people to define success. That was some of the best things that he shared with me that I, I just didn't expect that would be the top advice he would give. Another thing that he shared was the importance of hiring people who have a sense of urgency. This was a huge eye-opening experience for me, for him to say this. And it gave me such a great feeling, feeling of being okay with myself and my own approach, because I am a person who has a very high sense of urgency. I am the kind of person who likes to move quickly and move things forward. And there's so much being said in the business world about how that's chaotic and that's messy. And, it's, and there is definitely some truth to that, for sure. So the question really comes down to how do you be able to build a culture where there's a sense of urgency towards executing a vision, but at the same time, it's, it's done deliberately. And one book that 
I have read on the subject that I really like. I haven't read the whole thing, but I like the earlier parts. It's called Speed, and I don't remember the rest of the title. It was actually a book that was kind of hard to find. I don't remember even how I came across it, but it shares a lot of research about speed, and they have done research with hundreds of thousands of leaders across organizations. And one of the things that they found is that the leaders who were the most effective and the most well-liked scored very high on their level of expectation and urgency. So they expect a lot of people, but they were able to get a lot done and it inspired people. And one of the things that also talked about too was this concept around how urgency can actually reduce your level of anxiety around tasks because it means that if you're consistently removing things off of your plate, they're not stacking up. You don't have this queue of things that keep piling up, piling up, piling up. You're just moving through them quickly. And it takes a level of focus and attention to know what are the most important and urgent things and most timely things to be focusing on right now and getting into the habit of doing it now. It just does not saying, well, you know, we can do this in two weeks. If it's going to take 30 minutes, schedule a time on your calendar tomorrow and just get it done or schedule a time for five minutes or actually right now, take five minutes and break down what success looks like and delegate it off to a team member. That's even better. I went off on a little tangent there, but that was something that I learned from this mentor of mine about having a sense of urgency that gave me the real sense of satisfaction to know that I could actually take pieces of me and operationalize that into my own company and teach our clients how to be able to do that at the same time. That was a big shift for me. I have seen the impacts of that. And it comes down to helping your team see things in a different way and to see their overall um, part of the big picture and also have reward structures in place for them to be excited about moving things across the line, for them to be able to participate in the success of the business instead of looking at it. This is a shift that required for me to look at that. this was instead of looking at it from within the internal resources you have currently right now to give incentives, think about what the vision of the company looks like and what it looks like when you actually have accomplished those things. Because when you have accomplished those things, you'll have a lot more resources to be able to share that with your team members and reward them. So that's another example of like living into your vision that can really give you more resources to grow than you otherwise would have. Yeah, I think what you said about learning, hiring people, building a team of people who can define success, that kind of seems like a big part of the mindset shift of every level, both as the CEO, you need to kind of change your ability to redefine success and do that for a lot of things that you're not going to be doing yourself anymore, as well as having a team of people who can also do that and do it quickly rather than setting a goal and then everybody just kind of goes and does their own thing and keeps working towards a goal that might no longer be relevant or right. things change. The definition of success has changes, but the things that are being done have not changed. That seems like a theme that I've heard. So as you expand your vision, as you expand your ability to define success and have that trickle down throughout the team, you're all working together in the same direction more effectively and able to change as things change. Yes, for sure. And you asked a question to give an example of that. I was kind of going off on a bit of a tangent and sharing some thoughts around that and some mentorship that I'd personally gotten and some things that I've learned in my own company and my own implementation of this. But I wanted to share what that looked like for Jamie because his company came in lower seven figures. He shares all this on the podcast. We've been given permission to share this publicly. So anything you hear a story with someone's name attached, you would have permission to share it. 
but he was at a place where they'd staffed up, he'd had great team members, but at the same time, they were performing at different levels. And not everybody was executing at the same level. And it was like you were saying, people were kind of off doing their tasks and there was a lack of cohesion in the team. And what that meant is that Jamie was the one pushing and driving things forward, even though they had put some of the management structures in place that you hear about. They had done some of those things, but there were just some pieces missing that was keeping Jamie stuck doing a lot of it, pushing a lot of it forward. And maybe it wasn't so much doing it. It was pushing it forward. It was managing it. It was driving the growth of the company. So shortly after our growth planning session, he had a spark for, you know, what does it look like to define success for these different growth initiatives in the business? And what he did is he wrote this long email and he defined out exactly what needs to happen the next quarter. It would have previously been something that would have taken a year worth of work done. And he broke this down into different segments and different pieces, handed them off, gave ownership to people and gave a timeline. And what he found is they were able to accomplish over a year worth of work in less than a quarter. People took ownership. And what he discovered is that he had great people. It's just that they needed to be able to be assigned ownership at a whole next level. And he needed to get clear about what success looked like. And they needed to hear he was serious. So this was part of this raise the bar conversation type of thing is like, this is where we're going and I need you to step up and support me in this. And that's the attitude, that's the energy, that's the environment that you create in this culture of accountability. And that's one of the things that Jamie saw right away to help them implement that. And, and you know, you move forward and within nine months, they had increased profitability 40 percentage points by some of these initiatives that they had been putting into place. Some of the things that they had known that they've wanted to do and hadn't been able to operationalize. Some of the things that we brought in to help them with their irresistible offer that helped them double their price point. That was a huge driver in the profitability as well. But there's multiple things and being able to demotivate your team and get them moving in one direction, excited about that, that's the skill to develop as a CEO. That is enrollment. Your ability to move people is your direct access to build wealth in your company. That's a great line. Your ability to move people is your direct access to build wealth in your company. That's huge. That kind of encapsulates the whole shift from my ability to build wealth is my ability to get stuff done to my ability to build wealth is my ability to move people. And everything that hands off CEO is the details of how that's done. But that's really the transformation in a nutshell. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast. I know we've talked around in a lot of different topics, different circles. We had had the intention of sharing more of these these stories about some of our clients and their experiences. And I think what we're going to do is include that in a next half of this episode, just to keep it shorter. But I'd love to hear from you, you know, what really stood out for you in this episode? Was there anything that stood out for you that you're looking to create a transformation on? And is there another podcast episode that we can do to support you in that way? So you can just go ahead and reach out to our team. My direct email actually is mandy at handsoffceo.com. Mandy with an I, M-A-N-D-I at handsoffceo.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and have a fantastic rest of your day.